0: All right, we are continuing uh, our series in uh, the book of Acts. And so I would invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read this morning in your hearing verses 42 uh, through 47. Listen to the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the Word of God. Let me pray for us. Father, we do pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of your Spirit that you would be at work among us as all of us together sit under the authority of your Word We pray that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you, by the power of your Spirit, would move among us. In every heart here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak the truth of your Word, and that in doing so, Lord, uh, you might do that work in us, making us more like our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we pray for the Spirit's power in in that way, through the Word of God, that you would do that work, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what made what made the early church such an effective witness for Christ in the world around it? Among the many other answers to these questions, at least two arise from the testimony of the text that is before us this morning. And both things are, are certainly things produced by the Lord Himself through the power of the Spirit at work among his people. Among this, among this early community, there was a growing fear of God, a fear of God, a reverence, if you will, for for God. Fear and favor marked this early community. And when I say favor, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't intend to suggest the absence of trial or the absence of tribulation or turmoil with the outside world, soon Peter and John were going to be arrested by the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, and they were going to be taken before the council to defend their teaching about Jesus and their actions of healing in the temple. No, no, favor doesn't… favor doesn't mean the absence of persecution or suffering or trial. In fact, it is right in the midst of those circumstances that God was working by His Spirit among all types of people to see in His church the makings of that new humanity that Paul was going to talk about in Ephesians, the humanity that Rome was boasting that it had created, but that fell woefully short of what people were seeing in the church. You see, Rome was boasting to have brought peace and unity to the world but what people were seeing in the church, what they were seeing in the church was the real thing. They were seeing not a perfect people, but a people who were somehow relating to one another in ways that they had not seen. God Himself was showing those outside the church a picture of where He, in the coming of the kingdom in His Son, was taking things, where, where He was moving things. And so on the outside, God was working favor among all kinds of people. And on the inside, he was working a genuine reverence for himself among his people. Those inside the church community, those inside, they were awed by the things uh, God was doing among them by his spirit. And while the signs and wonders done by the apostles were meant to testify to their unique authority as apostles of Jesus, they also demonstrated to the people the truth that God was at work among them. The people saw, they saw, they experienced God's power at work among them and their fear of God grew. Brothers and sisters, I want to suggest to you this morning that we too, God's people in this generation, are meant to be a community of fear and a community of favor. I want to suggest to you that God is at work among us, among His people everywhere to deepen our fear of Him, our reverence of Him, and to deepen our favor among all kinds of people in this city and in this world. And not without persecution, and not without turmoil, and not without trial, but right in the midst of it as He did among His people long ago. And while we are not looking for the signs and wonders of the apostles to be done among us in the same way, we are in fact looking for the same power of God to be at work in our midst, transforming, healing, changing, making us new, and giving us the power to proclaim the good news of His gospel to the world around us. We are looking for God to save to keep adding to his church those he is calling out from among the nations to himself. And so it makes sense then that God would be at work among us to produce the same profound reverence for himself and favor among the people that, gave, uh, that he gave to his church long ago. And so here's the good news for you this morning. He is at work. He is at work. He is at work in you individually he is at work in us corporately he is at work in his church throughout this city to make his name known in the world around us and so where, wherever people wherever the people of God are giving themselves to the things marked out in this passage, God is at work and that fear we're called uh, the fear we're called to that fear will deepen and that favor that God uh, has said he would give to us will also deepen. So for a few moments this morning, I want to share with you those things that were happening among God's people that led to that fear and favor that we see in the text, the very things we are meant to be doing as well in our day. And so what are those things? What are those things we're meant to be doing in our day as the church that led to that fear and favor among God's people in that day? Well, first of all, They were devoted, the text says, to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were passing down to God's people, God's Word, as the Spirit gave them power. And no doubt, they were opening up the Old Testament Scriptures. They were helping the people to understand those Scriptures in light of the coming of Jesus. And they were speaking new words of revelation as the Spirit moved them to do so. And what marked this community was their devotion to God's word. Their devotion to God's word as it came to them through the apostles. They were holding fast, the text says, to the teaching of the apostles. And that may not strike you as profound, except that you and I know that there are other words that fight for our devotion. There are other messages that fight for our attention. There are other words that fight for our, 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 our devotion. And if we're honest, we're tempted to give our devotion and are, in fact, at times, giving our devotion to those other words. Holding fast to the apostolic teaching, the teaching of our Lord given to us through his apostle, implies work on our part. It implies that we are, in fact, working through the power of the Spirit to resist those other words, those other teachings, those other messages that seek to rule over our lives. We are learning through the power of the Spirit not to obey our own commandments, not to obey the commandments of men, but rather to obey the commandments of God. We are learning and we are working to hold on to the teaching of the apostles, which we now have handed down to us in the scriptures. And, if, and, and here's, here's the point. If we're weak and ineffectual in our witness in this world and in our reverence for God, we might want to start right here by asking ourselves where our devotion lies. Where our devotion lies. Whose teachings are really giving shape to the way we live our lives in this world? What words are are we really clinging to for hope? Whose message is really being proclaimed from our pulpits and in our pews. That this community was devoted to the apostles' teachings certainly indicates that they were working to ensure that that teaching was chief within the community. And our calling isn't different. We, too, are called together to hold fast to that teaching handed down to us by our Lord through the apostles. And not just some of that teaching, by the way, or the parts that we like the most, the parts that most fit with our political worldview or the parts that most fit with our economic worldview, we are called to hold on to the whole counsel of God and to apply that whole counsel of God to our lives, to the way that we live our lives together in the church and to the way we behave outside of the church. We are called to hold fast to all of the teaching, not just the part you like. Amen, people of God. Amen. here's the thing. You can't hold fast to something you don't know. (laughs) You can't hold fast to something you don't know. I saw a a LifeWay research study whose stats indicated that America's Bible reading was spotty at best. Now, studies can always be misleading depending on who's participating in the study along with several other variables that can somehow, sometimes skew the results, right? But I've been a pastor for a long time. have been a pastor for a long time, and I can tell you that I often run into Christians whose interactions with the Scriptures are spotty at best. Did you hear me? Whose interactions with the Scriptures are spotty at best. And I, I know many whose Bible interactions were mostly on Sunday mornings, Here we are. We got the Word of God accessible to us every single day. But here's the question, is that really what's guiding your life? Are the words of our Lord truly shaping how we are interacting with Him, how we are interacting with each other, with the world around us? Can I just tell you, if the only time you interact with the Word of God is when you come here on Sunday morning, that's a problem. Can can, can I just help you this morning? If, 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 if you're on social media more than you are in your Word, that's a problem. Can I, can I just say this to you? If you're reading other books more than you are the Word of God, that's a problem. Because it may just mean that the stuff that's really shaping your life, that the words and teachings that are really giving, giving, giving guidance to the way you live your life, is not the Word of God but other words. Amen, people of God. So holding fast to the teachings of the apostles means interacting with that teaching on a regular basis. It means interacting with the very Word of God as we have received it, both in the words of the Old Testament that the apostles were interacting with as they taught God's people, and the words of the New Testament written by them and others who were interacting with their teaching. The point here is this, it is to take the opportunities that are in front of us to do that interacting corporately, to do it in those Bible studies, in those men's and women's groups, in those youth groups, in those ministry teams. Let's ensure, brothers and sisters, that the teaching that is meant to rule our lives is something we are continually interacting with. I read lots of books on lots of things, and I'm grateful for those who have written them and the things that I've learned through them but no book is meant to give more guidance to our life together than the Word of God. And so I would would pray that you and your families and your individual devotions on your teams are interacting with the Word of the living God that is meant to direct your life and our lives together as the people of God. Amen, people of God. So they were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they weren't just devoted to the apostles' teaching the text says they were also devoted to the fellowship they were devoted to the fellowship this community of believers were not just marked by devotion to the apostles teaching but the fellowship and i'm adding to this the breaking of bread the idea of fel- i'm adding to this the breaking of bread which is also an aspect of fellowship because it is the fellowship in this fellowship that we now have union with jesus through his death and Resurrection and that union in that union, we also have fellowship with each other through that death. And of course, the Lord's Supper reminds, of the, reminds us of that, which we're going to share together in a few minutes. But fellowship was and is a core mark of the people of God, it is demonstrated in God's people sharing their lives and their resources with each other. Listen to these verses, beginning at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, and they were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Fellowship includes meals together but it doesn't end there. In fact, let me say it this way. It is sharing meals together that leads toward the building of relationships with one another, relationships that enable us to know one another well enough that when need breaks out in the community, we are ready to share our resources to meet those needs. I love that we have fellowship meals here. I love it. And I look forward to the day when we can do those again, because I do think that eating together affords us an opportunity to get to know each other and to build the kind of community where we are responsive to one another's needs. But we can build on that through life groups and other gatherings that promote building relationships where we are mutually built up and help each other in times of need. So what made the early church so powerful, such a powerful community was their fellowship which was demonstrated in their love and care for one another. Is that what people see when they look at us? When they look at what's going on internally here, what will they see? Will they see a people who know each other and love each other and care for each other's needs and are there for one another? Is that what they're going to see when they look into this place? that they held fast to fellowship means that they worked at it. Fellowship doesn't just happen, especially not in cross-cultural churches. I'm going to say it again. Fellowship does not just happen, especially in cross-cultural churches. Our differences in gender and age and culture and ethnicity and socioeconomic status create more than enough opportunity for hurt, for disagreement, for frustration, for anger, and the like. The person who described the church as sometimes being like porcupines trying to huddle together in the cold was right. We we poke each other and we wound each other. So fellowship doesn't just happen. It's something we have to work on, work at holding on to. We have to work to know each other. We have to work to repent when we have wounded each other. We have to work to forgive when we have wounded each other, to understand each other's needs, to respond to those needs with the resources God places in our hands to do so. Amen. And so I pray that we would learn as a congregation how to love one another well so that people will look in this space and say, there is a people, there is a people among whom God is at work. Amen, people of God. That kind of fellowship takes devotion. And so here's what I invite you to do, to ask the Lord to work that kind of devotion in you and in each of us. And where we fail to live up to it, let's pray for God to help us to do those things that make for healing and reconciliation. Amen, people of God. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to each other, to fellowship. Lastly, you heard me say this a few weeks ago, they were devoted… they were devoted to prayer spoke to this a couple weeks back, but I don't mind repeating myself. This was a community of prayer. This was a community that recognized their need for God's help in carrying out the mission that God had laid upon them through His Son and empowered them to by His Spirit. And I want, I want you to note here… what I want you to note here is that this was something they held fast to, that they fought for it within the community. That phrase, held fast, applies not only to the apostles' teaching, not only to fellowship, it it applies to prayer. They held fast, the text says, to prayer. Just like we are tempted to pull away from the message handed down to us through the apostles, and just like we are tempted to pull away from fellowship, we're also tempted to pull away from prayer, to trust more, in our own works than in God's power at work among us and in us. Prayer becomes something that we just have to do to get to the real work of ministry. But can I tell you something this morning? Prayer is doing. Did you hear me? Prayer is doing. It is humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God. It is asking him to break the spiritual powers of darkness that are behind the oppressive practices in this world, practices that we are shaping our ministries to do battle with. You see, it's not just the act of tutoring that changes a kid's life. It is God at work to use that to bring change in a kid's life. It's not just you that is active. It is God that is active. And if you believe that, you pray. If you believe that God needs to work, you pray and you cry out to Him and ask Him for His help. You pray for God to be at work because you know that praying isn't just some precursor to the real work that has to be done, but part and parcel of the work itself. And I use the word work here not to to present prayer as some kind of chore, for God is delighted for us to draw near to Him in prayer. But that this community held fast to praying together shows that they understood that what they were called to do was not going to be done in their own power, but only through God's help, only through His power at work in them and through them. And the question for us this morning is, do we believe that? or do we believe that our own hands are going to accomplish the work of God? Do you believe it's you, or do you believe it's the Lord? Because if it's the Lord, let me tell you what you learn how to do. If you believe that it's the Lord, you know what you learn how to do? You learn how to take this one and put it on the ground. And you learn how to take this one and put it on the ground. And you learn how to put your hands together and say, God, I need you. We need you to show up here, to make your power known, to break the forces of darkness that are at work in us, and to break the forces of darkness that are at work in the world. We need your power to be at work. And can I tell you something this morning? When you pray, God hears, He listens, and He responds. How are you going to break the powers, powers that are too strong for you with your own power? God has got to be at work, and this early church community knew that. And so daily, as they attended the temple together, they kept giving themselves to the Word of God, they kept giving themselves to fellowship with one another, and they kept giving themselves to prayer. What made them effective was not their intelligence. What made them effective was not their own skill. What made them effective was not how influential they were. What made them effective was they knew how to get down on their knees and pray to God. (laughs) And so as we seek to reach our neighborhood, and I've heard of that a lot, we want to reach the neighborhood around us. You want to reach the neighborhood around you? You want to reach the people in this community? I got news for you. There are forces at work too strong for you. And the only way to reach is for God to be at work. Amen, people of God. And so as we go out, we're going out not in our own strength, but we're going out in prayer that God would be at work among us to make His name known. Amen? Amen. These are simple things and yet they're profound. (laughs) Because the way we become that community of fear and that community of favor that I talked about at the beginning is that we give ourselves to these things. We give ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We give ourselves to fellowship brothers and sisters, and we give ourselves to prayer. In this early church community, it was a community that was growing in its reverence for God. And it was growing in its favor within the community God had set it. And so they model for us the kind of community that God is calling us to be as His church in this generation. And so in the same way that they were devoted, may we be so. May we be devoted to God's Word. May we be devoted to each other. And may we be devoted to prayer. And I want to tell you as I close that Jesus is among us by the power of His Spirit to help us in that devotion in order that we might be His witnesses in this world around us. To the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we ask all of this in His name. Amen, people of God. Amen and amen.